Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, we've got an amazing interview with the awesome Jimmy Franklin. He reached out after listening to the podcast for a bit over a year and really loved how it helped give him a bit of an idea about what dyslexia meant to him as an adult. Like so many people, we struggle to kind of get it, right? It's, it's so much to it and not many people are really talking about it properly. So he reached out and I said, hey, I'd love to have a chat. Now, we got on a call and we just couldn't stop talking. We were really enjoying it. The amount of pearls of wisdom that came out through his story and, um, and, and what I saw in his story are just amazing. So this interview is probably the longest one I've done for a year or so, maybe a year and a half. It's a bit over an hour. Uh, break it up if you can't hold your attention. Um, listen, come back to it, go for a walk. That's the way I do it. Chuck in my earphones and go for a wander, get some exercise while I listen. But it's um, a great episode. As we go through his story, we look at different parts of dyslexia and how it affects you. The other benefit is he's probably got one of the most soothing voices. You know, people say my voice is quite soothing. I think Jimmy's is perfect for podcasts. So let's let's bring him on and I hope you really enjoy his story in this episode. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the Truth About Dyslexia podcast. In today's episode, I have the amazing Jimmy Franklin who's been a listener of the pod for over a year. You know, he told me the story is his amazing girlfriend got on Spotify and it was one of the first pods he listened to. So, you know, man, that it's always nice to hear people actually listen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, thanks for reaching out. People, people, you know, I've been looking for people's stories to talk to and, and hear different journeys through dyslexia. And uh, so everyone who's listening, when I talk about Jimmy's story today, we're going to go over a bit about what he's done to get there. We're going to talk dyslexia throughout it. You know, I'll, I'll nose in and throw a few ideas out. And then we're going to get, you know, at the back end of this, we want to talk a bit about being a creator because Jimmy's a creator as well and how it works so well for dyslexics around the world. So welcome to the pod, Jimmy. Hey, it is an absolute pleasure to be on here. I And you know what? I, I didn't even realize until recently that, that you guys had a YouTube channel as well. So it's, and I was just expecting to see your face for the first time on here, but I did get a glimpse before we came on, but and man, I love the work you're doing. And that's exactly right. I've been, uh, I've been a fan of the podcast since my first time on Spotify premium essentially. And I just typed in dyslexia and it was, I just wanted to see what was out there and this is exactly what I found. And I've been a fan since. So it's an absolute pleasure that it's an absolute pleasure to be on here. I love it, mate. And you'd think that we we planned what we were wearing because we're both uh, both black t-shirt brigade. You know, yeah. I think I was going to ask you about that. Is do you have like eighty five of these also? Oh, I'm, well, I wish I had eighty five. I've definitely got a strong eight or nine of them. That are yeah, in yeah. Um, it's got to be something about the brain, right? About the dyslexic brain. I it's mean, purely. Like, Purely neurodiversity, man. Like it's if you look at the people like uh, Zuckerberg, uh, all of those guys at the top. Jobs. Yeah, the, you know, you've got to think where we struggle is executive function, right? You know, mm -hmm. our brains uh, struggle with the day-to-day -day work. Anything that we can systemize or automate. And so, if I can go into my closet and I know exactly what I'm wearing that day, that's one less decision my executive function has to make. Exactly. Right? And and people think from watching my YouTube channel that this is some sort of gimmick 
that I do that I always <laughs> look exactly the same. And it's not. People, I, I had one guy one time. There's only been one time I've been recognized for my YouTube channel and I treasure it. And the guy genuinely said, he's like, you really dress like that. I was like, yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> but but it's that's not a, that much cool, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, and it was I did this. I could tell you I've been doing this since before I ever dove into the idea of dyslexia and all these guys that seemingly had their uniforms, all these all these uh famous dyslexics that seem to have their uniform, right? I I, uh, I, I started doing this before I learned about that. So I was like, wow, that is a pretty cool coincidence it's it's so true right like and, and i um i used to it, it's interesting when you start to learn about why it happens you you don't beat yourself up because there are always times where like your girlfriend goes have you ever thought about the color blue and you're like i've thought about it but it's not coming into my wardrobe <laughs> yeah, exactly oh i think it looks great in the sky like yeah, <laughs> but not over here, you know. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm not a puddle of water, honey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it is it is that exact, but it's that it just makes everything so much more simple. Yeah. Anyone can anyone in the world, I think, can can take that and run with it. But specifically, a dyslexic mind. Yes. The second you feel like the second I see the the, the clothes lined up and cleaned, and it's all the same thing, I just have this sense of peace that the week is going to be that one extra thing in the week is going to be okay. And I know for a fact, I can use my brain power elsewhere. Yes, exactly. And that's it. You know, you know, what we find hard, others find easy, what we find easy, others find hard. Exactly. You know, so it's all those day-to-day -day chores that kill us. Yeah. And coming up with the next thing that's going to make us millions is, is easy. you know, the next yeah. idea to change the world and solve climate change. We can do it while we're sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I, I wish and I hope so. But that's the same thing where uh, I mean, I've been again, you're right. What we find easy, they find hard. What they find hard, we find easy. I'm sorry for using the word they to anyone out there. That is I mean, I don't want to make it seem like a split like that. But for for the sense of what we're talking about here, um, I've been, for example, I've been eating the same breakfast for I want to say close to five years right now. And, and I eat pretty much the same thing for dinner. And my girlfriend is listening to this right now. And Lauren is so fed up with me. <laughs> oh, mate. I'm, I'm the same. Like, honestly, it's the best way for our fitness. Like, I'm literally trying to get fitter at the moment. And the key part of that is eating less types of food. You know, and, and I'll be honest. Do you know the guy that got me onto it is, have you heard of Tim Ferriss? You know, the four-hour work week. Yes, I was going to ask you if you read that because I heard some things we were talking about before this that kind of cued me off to that. Yes, of course. He's he's brilliant. And he did a diet called the slow carb diet. And it's very much driven, I think, by a neurodiverse brain. And a big part of it is how do you keep the same foods every single day? You know, that is literally the core difference. Like a lot of it's the same as everything else. But the key thing is how can you eat the same things on repeat? Yeah. Don't get creative. Yeah. And you, you do get creative at times, but so like, even though I say like, I've been eating the same thing, right. I have incorporated new things. Like for example, I just needed a certain amount of calories at first and I just wanted that for my fitness and I didn't want to have to think. So I, I made my shake the same way every day. What I incorporate now is stuff like flax, something that has omega threes that are good for, that are yeah. good for the brain, right? Something that 
slows that that brain aging that happens when we turn around 30 that everything kind of sort of brain start to shrink or whatever the the term is i'm with you i'm on i'm on a thousand milligrams of omega-3 yeah a minute from something i read it said over a thousand milligrams a day it really works on your anxiety heavily the other thing is oh and we don't know anything about that as dyslexics right hey no exactly it's not like i've built my whole life around uh, ashwagandha powder as well is such a cheap relaxant for you know in your smoothie like it costs about 12 bucks new zealand so about eight dollars us for a big bag and i just pop it into my smoothie and man does it relax me in the morning it just kicks my puts me into relax mode in a good way yeah um yeah so it's i agree it's always about we're never going to ever stop changing and improving but the more things we can put on autopilot, the better, right? Exactly, exactly. And you always, you do want to evolve over time. There's, we're not the type of people that don't, that are, we're not evolution adverse, right? You know, we we do need to, to still grow like everyone else, but mm-hmm. there's certain things that we need to have a handle on before they grow, right? We need to kind of be locked into what, you know, we have to, what is the, what, how am I trying to say it? I guess that explains it the best, but we need to be locked into our system and then we grow from there. Yeah, exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to, we're always hunting for this elusive foundation yeah. that, you know, that safety, you know, the hierarchy of needs, you know, yeah. we're looking to be able to cover our basic survival needs. Of course. That's half of our life. And then the other half is we're at the top of the triangle and we just miss out this little bit and we're running around. We do everything backwards. Yeah. And um, the minute we get bored, you know, we, we pop a nuclear bomb and, <laughs> it's life right like it's how we live so let's mate i'm loving this but let's i want to hear your story so you know you were born on a wet windy day Um, (laughs) let's not not start quite that far back yeah yeah um, no we're not going to go that far back but um but so i've been okay so i first heard the concept of dyslexia actually from um from tv right from Nick at Night sitcoms, stuff like that. And um, I was watching, actually, it was the, the Cosby show. And they did this whole thing where Theodore had dyslexia. And I remember them, I, I could choke up feeling this right now, because I remember hearing them explain certain things that I was like, that sounds familiar. And it's very hard when you're young to kind of establish the way you fit into the world or the way your brain works because it's just the way your brain works you don't think about it and so when you hear like when you start having problems in school and all of a sudden that one grade is so much harder than the rest than the rest of them have been and then you hear something like that fairly quick you're sitting there you're just like okay there's something to this right and funny enough uh the school um, didn't have, didn't have like a crazy amount of knowledge. I'm 30 years old. The school didn't have a crazy amount of knowledge on this. They didn't really know what to do. It was still very expensive, even for a school to kind of take part in, you know? So then from there was many years until, and then I would say that was fifth or sixth grade. It would take me until ninth grade high school years to get finally tested. You know what I mean? And I'm not, it wasn't quite an adult. I was still pretty young. You know, still luckily young. And uh, yeah, and it's funny enough that through all that time, I had been playing music. You know, that was that was my kind of, that was my emotional outlet 
pretty much throughout everything. I started playing, you know, now it's a, you know, a, a side <laughs> angle here that we get to the same story. Hey, go, into, go into every side angle. There's <laughs> in tangents. Yeah. And also just our, our you know, funnily enough, US is probably our biggest audience of the podcast. I believe it. And we do it a lot in the UK. So ninth grade for everyone who's not in the US. Oh, how right. Old would you think? <laughs> I would be, oh God. Um, I think you'd be 13 or 14. Okay. The high, first year of high school uh, is is that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and to be honest, like, it's it's a weird one, right? For some people that, so many people are getting diagnosed at 25, 30, 35, 40. Yeah. And, and, you know, 14, oddly, especially back then, 15 years ago. Yeah. Was amazing, right? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, and I was the only one. There was no one else. People would come from miles away to see the dyslexic kid, you know, <laughs> because they had never been, they'd never heard of this before. And it was still very much the, oh, doesn't that mean he's stupid or something like that, you know? Um, and and I was going to say, by the way, I really enjoy something about this whole presentation that only a dyslexic could do. When I emailed you guys at first off the form, it said, don't worry about spelling, you know, just say what you want. I... <laughs> It's so peaceful, you know. So yeah. thank you very much. Don't worry about grammar. It said, "Oh, that was wonderful." Awesome, love it. Oh yeah, I love it. So, oh, so I was, I was playing music all throughout this. I started music when I was in, when I was in, I think first grade, playing piano. But plot twist: my piano teacher said I was too hyperactive. Uh, yes. Go figure. You know, I don't know if it was the first grader or the dyslexia or the nicely coupled ADD, ADHD that kind of comes with it. Yeah. The and I, they immediately flipped me over to uh, to drums in second grade. And that was where kind of my passion kind of formed. And it was a great emotional outlet. And it was it was excitement. I could put all the feelings that you would feel with being frustrated with all the things that a dyslexic is frustrated with, you could put all those emotions there. You know, <laughs> it was it was a pretty cool thing. I love it, man. And then so so music has always been your outlet, and it was, and that's fantastic. And I think this is really key for everyone: is you've got to find that thing that that you just you're just in in flow with, because that's yes. the, that's the key, right? Yes, it's it's reaching a flow state, right? That will that will trump all. All uh, you mentioned, uh, they all neurodiversity, all all yeah. mental. What's the word I'm looking yeah, for? Well, you think our brains are looking for serotonin, right? They're looking for dopamine, serotonin, looking for all this stuff. And yeah. you know, whether you're ADHD, dyslexic, this is common across all of these things. Potentially more spoken about in ADHD, but there are so many dyslexics with just a slight bit of ADHD that might not even get diagnosed fully with it. But yeah. they have enough of it that they're suffering from similar challenges. So when you're in a flow state, your dopamine levels are just happy. Nothing yeah. else exists. Like when I play soccer or football, you know, I'm the same. Like I can play for 90 minutes and the world does not exist. I exactly. You know, exactly. That's, that's the moment, right? And you can also find it in work. When I'm doing an interview like this or when I'm doing a coaching session with someone, I'm like, the world doesn't exist. I'm Correct. just in that moment being in that place and being happy, right? Correct. And it's so hard to achieve when um, it's hard to achieve when so many of the things that you want to do come with, you know, written instructions, you know, like <laughs> you, you get into a hobby 
and you buy whatever package the hobby comes in and it has all these written instructions and you're sitting there getting frustrated. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to play, I'm just trying to play Monopoly right now with my family and I just, I can't get through the, the too much reading, right? Yes. Yeah. Agreed, man. And it's, it's, there are so many things and you know, what frustrates us is different for everyone, right? And like, yes. what makes us happy is different. And of it's course. not, and we think that we're wrong, we're right, we've all been taught a different way, a different mm -hmm. packaging. Yeah. But, you know, when we get into life, you know, you start to realize, hey, go towards what makes you happy. Um, and it's it's usually not the things you originally thought, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, it, it's very true. That's the, there's, there's a quote that keeps floating around recently that you're, uh, a, man, a man finds his destiny on the path he takes to avoid it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty heavy one right there. But I think, um, you know, I was, I was just so, oh, so the, a point that I want to bring up though, that I think is very important is that you mentioned the flow state, right? And there's other things that people use to achieve a flow state, right? And some find that in meditation, right? Um, and music is a huge one as well. And it, believe it or not. So you're familiar with the idea now that, uh, that, that meditation increases gray matter in the brain, correct? I have definitely heard that. I, I couldn't couldn't speak to my great knowledge in it, but I have definitely heard it. Before. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's all we need. That's all we need. And so, um, so well, it turns out that music has that same effect, and it has to do with that flow state and that focus, right? And believe it or not, there's a third one that came up recently when I was researching, and that's juggling. Funny really? enough, yeah. Interestingly enough, and funny, really funny is actually before I ever played music, I was a juggler. I, <laughs> oh really yeah dude i've always loved entertainment and i love maybe it's hacky sack maybe that's hacky sack maybe that's why hacky sack became so famous is everyone yeah. with an hd every oh yeah right yeah he's got everyone <laughs> in that in that flow state yeah exactly yeah, it might not be a coincidence as much of a coincidence as we think we, we may have just come across a fact yeah exactly right <laughs> we might be there yeah i love it man and so it's it sounds like it's been quite an interesting journey. And I think that the other real important thing for parents as well is I would always say to you, one thing that's really powerful is get your child learning a technical skill early before they put walls up. So like, for example, with drumming, when did you start the drumming process? Was it? Oh, second grade. So uh, for anyone that... Yeah, for, yeah, for, for other people seven, around the other people around the world, maybe seven or eight years old or something like perfect. that. Perfect. So, so you started learning a technical skill that you were enjoying at that age. For me, it was football. I was never that great at it, but I started playing it when I was like five or six. Yeah. So I learned enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And I think I think for dyslexics, whether it's drawing, uh, painting, it could be music, whatever it is, if you get them building some of that technical stuff that's just built into them, they'll be able to use the power of their dyslexic mind in the future. Because, you know, you know, just dead, you are dead on accurate. Have you seen the Elton John movie? Have you seen I, that movie? You know what? I haven't seen it fully yet. I haven't seen oh, it fully mate, yet. Sit down. I sit know. Down. I know. I've been making a mistake. He is what well, he would easily be neurodiverse, hands down. And yeah. he learned piano really early due to his challenges. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he could use his neurodiverse, intuitive mind to turn words into music. Exactly. 
like he was like it was magic. Exactly, exactly. And that's it's such a common place. Like I, I experience it with a lot of people who are creative. I see them do that all the time. So I feel like I'm spoiled in so many ways where I get to be around this type of person who can can do such things, you know, and and play with more professional musicians that could do such things. And they say, I could do it too. I'm, I don't know. I don't like always tooting my own kind of horn in that way. But but you're you're very right where when it's ingrained in you so early on, that's the dyslexic power, right? Is is that you we can learn something to the point where we could do it mindlessly, effortlessly. And that's so much of what we need. That's the apprenticeship brain, right? That's the yeah. brain of the apprentice early on before the printing press, which I'm quoting a little bit of some TED Talks and different different writings there where they they explain that like, you know, the, the printing press was the moment that kind of alienated 20% of the population from being what used to be apprenticeship and learning with your hands and and hands-on knowledge, right? The the right. Einstein, what's the the Einstein quote is is uh knowledge is experience, everything else is just information. Yeah, man. That I'm, could, I'm, loving, I'm just loving your flow, man. This is and this is the cool thing when we're just jiving like this, we uh -huh. just a rhythm and and you know, again, like we this is the great thing is we pull all of this from our experience. Mm -hmm. And like, but if I sat down and asked you like a really bland question, you'd be like, ah. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Or like, it'd be hard to pull the information. Yeah, exactly. If you if you if you asked me, why don't you ever wear the color blue? I'd be like, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> what, what? No, you'd be like, why are you judging me, man? Why yeah, exactly. You, why, why are you? Am I doing something wrong? What am I? Am I broken? You well, know, so I know, I'm right? That's that's a huge one, right? That is, we take things we take things personal. Yeah, man. It's all the time, and we, you know, there's a bunch of things you can do to improve on that, but it's. You know, the, one of the biggest keys is becoming aware, like yes. the dyslexia thing. When you realize it's so much more than reading, writing, and spelling, you know, and mm -hmm. how it impacts you when you throw in a bit of ADHD. And I also think a bit of autism for a lot more people than they realize. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of this stuff. I want to speak to that in a second, but yeah. Yeah, man. There's a lot of it floating around in the, and you know, I think, you know, just touching on that without going too much into a tangent, which is very easy to do, so, is, is, is we're all we're all a cocktail, right? Of all these, things. of course, you know, a couple of parts of this, a couple of parts of that, etc. And I think what we also have to remember is the people who created these these words, ADHD or ADD, dyslexia, um, and autism, which is the word that was escaping me. Yep. You know, all of these people were looking at different external leads of the of the tree right they were all looking at different leaves to create something from that leaf mm -hmm. now that doesn't mean that the roots of all of these things don't come from a similar similar type of tree right correct so they're, they're all so balanced they'll play together in different ways right mm -hmm. yeah exactly and uh you know that i think is a very a very good point that you just brought up though about uh about dyslexia and you know even even autism right in that same way it's uh you know we're, we're going off on that tangent just then and yeah. and well you know it, it 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 reminded me a lot again about some of the things that that i've read about the dyslexic brain and and kind of similarities or maybe differences between autism that that may kind of be related you know we i, I don't have enough information to speak on that because you know 
you're taking advice right now from a professional musician, like, and, and, and a YouTube creator. So, so take, so take that part with a grain of salt, but it is very interesting when you notice the amount of people that are autistic that have dyslexia as well. It's very, it's, it's getting, it's becoming a lot more common, a lot more prevalent. And I think people are noticing more, um, how common all this really is. Yes, exactly. And like the, the world is only, it's opening its eyes. I, I like to think we're at the start of a wave and that wave is just starting to build momentum. Like we've, we've seen our audience grow just from the amount of adults searching for this information because it still isn't out there enough. Um, and so many adults is, you know, there's so much stuff out there for children. Like I don't think it's ever been better for kids, Correct. but, but, but they're still ignoring all these adults that were undiagnosed mm -hmm. that are like, I see them all across the world. Like so many entrepreneurs come up with all of these signs, right? Not Correct. all, but enough to enough to. Uh, oh, enough to, to comment on it for us, sure. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's but, it's so common. So let's go back to your story. Where you're in you're in high school, you're in drumming. You know, you've got dyslexia, probably a touch of ADHD. Yep. And then, how does your life go from there? Okay, so in that same process, I just became just it was music all the time. You know, mm -hmm. that was, it was, I would get home from school and I would play my instrument, it, you know, and I would play, whether it be drums or anything else that I could just uh, get my hands on and try. And in that process, I also started just teaching myself guitar because at that point my parents were like, oh, he's just jumping from instrument to instrument all the time. You know, he, he needs to stay in one thing. So they were like, if you take drums for a while and stay with it, then we'll think about guitar lessons. And that wasn't enough information for me at the time. So I had a guitar in the house and I just, <laughs> I just put on DVDs and watched Angus Young from ACDC and I would slow things down and restart them and slow things down and restart them. And I would, I would try and figure them out. Then I had a neighbor, uh, around, you know, around like right before I went into high school, I had a neighbor move in that I saw he had a guitar as he's moving in. It was like something out of a movie, right? Like in my head, like the kid wants to learn guitar, sees the kid, the neighbor move in with a guitar, you know? Yeah. So of course I'm knocking on his door. I would, I would go out of my way. I would hear about kids that were going to be jamming, you know, in, in school. And I would walk around town and see where they lived. And I would go and try and join the jam session, you know, stuff like that. Because again, it's, it's an, like an experience, it's experience learning. Right. Yeah. And and that's what I kind of, that's how I learned guitar. And that's why to me, my drums have always been, or my percussion has always been more of something that was taught to me formally. And my guitar playing was something that I explained as a way that I breathe, you know, where mm -hmm. I don't know how I do it. I just kind of always have done it. And, and that, you know, that, that is very, a very dyslexic thing to say. And that carried me, oh man, I just, uh, that carried me through high school. I throughout high school, I was I was the leader of the marching band. I conducted the marching band as the drum major, and as you know, before that, as a snare drummer in the marching band in competition, and you know, eventually uh, became, like I said, became the leader of that. And at the same time, um, that year, I was recruited to be part of the Marines to join the Marine Band. In uh, you know, which is which over here is let me tell you that's 
it's a very intense gig. You know what I mean? They're doing uh, close to 250 shows a year. And Ooh. I think I think eight of them are for the president. Wow. I think that's <laughs> what it is. And you still have to go through military <clears throat> training and everything. It's very, very intense. And that's the best band you could be in when it comes to military bands, which I don't know if that's a weird concept to anyone else in the world, a military band. But <laughs> uh, US and Russia, mate. You know, you guys love your band. Just to let you know, New Zealand doesn't know what an army is. So oh, just, you know, oh, we, wow. Uh, we don't even allow nuclear anything into our waters. Like we're, we're like, oh, wow. we're, the op we're the opposite of the US. Wow, yeah, really, you are. Yeah, the, we're like, bring the nuclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, nuclear. Yeah, no, right. Sorry to, sorry to break your rhythm. but No, no, not at all. But you know what? The funny thing was in this whole story is that at the same time where I was, I was learning, I was teaching myself guitar, I had joined a band in that process of like, kind of like fumbling around meeting people. I had joined a band playing guitar and I had played, I had my own bands that I had started playing guitar and no one really thought, you know, my family, especially, they're like, he doesn't play guitar. Like, what is he thinking? You know, and then one day they're hearing music come out of the basement and stuff. And I joined a band that was older. They were all in high school and uh, I was in, I was still in middle school. So I was still very young compared to them. They were all driving and I was, you know, in, in middle school, you know. And so it was very, very strange. But I joined a group of older, of older people. And we actually, in that, with that throughout high school, went fairly far. I mean, we had a um, music video premiere on MTV2 at the time, which was, yeah, which was a huge thing. But at the same time, you know, like I, I had that offer from the, the Marines to join the band and, uh, and, and led the competition band. So the way I explained it recently in an in a interview with a newspaper around here was that it was like, I would go to a competition with the marching band in the morning and be formal and in uniform. And that night I would go and play a dirty dive bar, you know, in, in Asbury park, New Jersey, you know, where Bruce Springsteen is from. And, and we would play there and I would, you know, let my hair down, so to speak. That's awesome. It would be wow. super, it would be the Clark Kent Superman thing, you know, that's cool, man. And okay. I mean, that's, that's all only up to, you know, high school. Man, that's crazy, dude. Like, I, and I think it's, this is the interesting thing about it. And I think, you know, this conversation goes so well, we'll just keep going until we, you know, I'm, I'm keen to keep listening. Cause I think you're, you know, it's awesome where you've come. And I, you know, these are the type of stories that show people and they go, hey, that sounds like me. But instead of music, my thing is floral arrangements. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Floral arrangements. Like, yeah. And I hope you're right about that. And that's like, that's the most important part. You're exactly right. And I think, do we ever get, is it part of us that we talk too much sometimes or that we get yeah, going? We'll talk around in circles. We'll double yeah. up on things. You know, in my opinion, the way we, we kind of talk about it is the dyslexic mind is always trying to go to the visual side. It's going right brain. It's going, you know, right brain is probably oversimplification, but for the sake of it, it's going visual. So what happens is words come in. We try and form a picture, we form a picture in response, and then words come out. And so that takes a lot of energy for our brains to operate, a hell of a lot of energy. It's why we yeah. get tired, I think, a lot of the time when we're doing things that are challenging. Like music for you, you're not thinking of words, right? Correct. And even when you're singing, it's just autopilot. It's like putting a black t-shirt on, 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Especially with the amount that you've rehearsed something at that point, right? It's exactly it's muscle memory to a point, right? It's, Correct. So, so like, so for example, when we're talking, what we're doing is we're picturing something and we're trying to talk around it with the words we know, and that can take us off on a tangent. And if that picture changes halfway through a conversation and says, Hey, this is connected to that picture, and then you start talking about that picture, and then the person's either confused or they don't understand how your brain works. Or does it make sense? It makes perfect sense. You know why? Because Oh my God, I'm, it, it felt so good to hear it in that manner because this is what I do when I, when I talk to people. And even as a, like, I also teach music in this whole process as well. I, so I feel like some of my students sometimes will look at me and be like, how did he get there to that point? And now let me ask you, because to reference, um, to reference another Ted talk on, uh, on dyslexia, they mentioned that along along the lines of axons in the brain being very scattered, right? So mm -hmm. someone who um, is autistic might have axons that are very close and allow them to process information very quickly. Being why you know autistic people mm -hmm. can like uh, can figure out very complex patterns very quickly, right? As opposed to someone who has like a normal spread of axons in their brain, as opposed to a dyslexic where they bounce around from place to place, which I think is why we have so much creativity because it, it forces the, the brain, they go like the information goes to weird spots. Right. I, this is the way you, I did a video for dyslexia.com a while back and it was literally about how the average brain is like an encyclopedia. Uh -huh. Everything is listed out like an encyclopedia for us. It's more like Instagram and everything has been tagged incorrectly or tagged correctly. <laughs> and, a, and also there's a hell of a lot of Photoshopping throughout it. So you're not actually sure what's real or not anymore either. <laughs> wow. That is so good. Yeah, it's clear, right? I've it's been clear. looking for you for a long time. Let me tell you, this is, oh my God. And it's a good conversation. And this is the thing. Like I enjoy this as well because it reminds me of, of the pertinent stuff people need to hear. Like, you know, if, yeah, some of the stuff I used to, like, I don't talk about my story as much, but it was all around when you realize your brain, your, your memory is so weak. What you actually remember is so poor. Mm -hmm. It's so fake. Uh, like, again, we'll, we'll save that for another podcast because that's that's yeah. that's a hot topic in itself. But totally. I want to get back to your story, man. This sounds awesome. So you're in the Marine Band. Well, no, you're so I never, so I never joined. So I was in the marching band, but I never joined the Marine Band. I decided because I had a bit of a life split where I was like, okay, can we, I can either go into the Marines, prestigious, you know, my grandfather oh, was, cool. yeah, my <laughs> grandfather was a Marine, you know, my dad went to military school and I think my grandfather's grandfather was a Marine. I don't know how far back it goes, but it's like that kind of family. And I'm the, you know, I'm the musician kid in the family. I'm the one that said, no, I'm going to go out and be a musician. And, and even on like, you know, even on career day, you know, the school told me like, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to put rock star as a career. You have to be a you have to be a music teacher, which, God, that was a metaphor at the, at the time. Let me tell you. So the uh, so I decided that it was cooler to go the route of the rock and roll kind of band thing. You know, mm -hmm. we had a music video on MTV. We had a lot of cool prospects. We were working with um, you guys familiar with the band My Chemical Romance. We yeah, had, yeah. We, I had been working with the producer at the time with that band that did the first My Chemical Romance record. So we and he's still a good buddy of mine. And and 
we have we, we had all this all these things going really well and then of course what happens creative differences band breaks up mm-hmm. you know and i gotta i gotta speak to a key point about this um there is mention about why you'll see like a high level of dyslexics in things like you know juvenile detention or even sometimes you'll like a high number of dyslexics in jail and it's funny because what it seems like consistently across the board is that what happens is that it's so you're told you're stupid everywhere else you know so that you really don't feel like you fit in somewhere and then you go to a crowd that is less than where you should be let's say let's say is maybe a a crowd that you don't want to get involved in and you go and it's easy to fit in. And then because of our dyslexic power, what we do is we outdo all of them. We can go in there and let's just say like, it's a drinking crowd or something like that. They like to spend time in the bar. You go in and you be the guy that you can out drink everybody. You know what I mean? And it doesn't, and it's, and that's your kind of way of fitting in. And I got to tell you, like I had a little bit of my own run in with being just like, it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything that bad. It was just, I got involved after that. I started touring with punk bands and punk bands love to drink on the road, you know? So we would, we would go out and we would have a good time. We'd play shows and you would, and you would have a few drinks and that I'm lucky that that happened around the age of 19, because if you want to be a lifer in the creative business, and if you want to be someone who is, um, who, you know, if you want to be in the, just in creative business in general, in rock and roll, in music, whatever your thing is, what it doesn't really even matter, music or creativity, whatever your thing is, you probably can't do it when you're drunk. You know, it's probably safe to say. And so I definitely, I tried to find a group that I fit in with and that were also musicians. And it always helped to be the funny guy. And it always helped to use our dyslexic power. That is also, um, you know, that extreme empathy that we kind of have. That we're able to, uh, you know, we can read body language more than others because we we can't read anything else, you know. <laughs> so, so something like that. So, um, using all of those things, I got involved with a lot of different bands, and it helped me find my way. And I quickly learned that there wasn't it wasn't very easy to be just a musician, right? And that's mm-hmm. when I started. Ready for this? It's gonna be a crazy concept. This is when I started trying to read. Wow. You know. Whoa, I know. <laughs> I know, right? What a crazy concept. Because I remember being out of high school and I said to myself, like, I knew I was dyslexic for so long. I was battling it. I I tried to deny it, right? That's part of the mm-hmm. the the hero's journey, right? At times you have to, you go off and you try and just deny the whole thing. When I started to try college, uh, you know, community college, I uh, I didn't, I didn't want to get reevaluated for dyslexia because a it was expensive and it really didn't matter in the real world if i had dyslexia so why am i going to go spend this money that i don't have because i'm a broke musician to go to a community college to do something i don't really like yeah. you know and and so it sounds familiar right i mean i'm really it's like i'm reading out of the dyslexic handbook here but they i that was that was a, a bit of a turning point because i wanted to be like everyone else and I didn't, I didn't use my my individualized education plan, as they call it here, IEP. I didn't use that in college. Yeah. And 
I tried to uh, I tried to just go like normal and it didn't go well, you know. So that was that was quite uh, that was quite difficult in. And in honestly, that honestly, comparison is huge, right? Comparison, yeah. you know, part of the truth about dyslexia course we do a whole section is on comparison because, you know, when you when you're not reading as much and you're not symbolic, you know, the symbols you are taking in are comparing yourself to others. Yeah. You know, I want to be like them. Why am I not like them? Yeah. You know, how that affects us. Because it it's part of everyone's journey. And, you know, like some of us, I don't know about you, but I always used to have a, a kid in school I compared myself to and I followed on Facebook. Not in a creepy way, but, uh, <laughs> but like I'd keep an eye out when he got married, when he got a job. And like I was like, man, I thought I was better than him, but like he seems to have a more normal life. Like I should have a normal normal life right of course and yeah until i know exactly what you're talking about i at any point in my life i could tell you if you look back through my facebook pictures and maybe to what i was wearing like if it was like some sort of other thing i did with my hair or something even mm -hmm. down it it all kind of stems from an early need to try and find you know more or less that idol it's, in it's a way acceptance. that's acceptance as well from peers right like we're we're always singing to our own tune and, and and especially early on we're not good at finding people like us even though that's what we do yeah we don't recognize it mm -hmm. and we don't recognize that that's okay to find people like us and the being able to to say the you know i don't know about you but once once you learn more about dyslexia you start to notice patterns of people like you yes and, and you respect that pattern even though the person could be completely different uh-huh but the pattern is the same as you, the way they operate, their operating system matches yours, right? Yes, exactly. And I noticed this um, recently, I had a conversation, I had a conversation with Lauren, my, my girlfriend, about exactly this, where I said to her, I'm like, have, I've noticed my whole life, and we all kind of notice it. But I think I kind of, I'd like to think that I have this like weird, deeper understanding that I've kind of noticed now of these these types of people like where you don't want to judge a book by its cover entirely, but you can get a general idea. If you see a certain physical form of a person, you kind of know, and you start to see similarities across all these people. Right. And that's where like characters like cartoon characters practically come from. We all know a guy that looks like that one cartoon character kind of idea. Right. And I think that might stem back from the dyslexic brain as well. Right. Where a, a creative person who happens to be dyslexic, who's building a cartoon, needs to make a character that's relatable. And so he notices these types of people and then recreates them in a cartoon. So we all feel like we kind of relate to those characters. Same thing, same process takes place in anything a dyslexic will do, you know? And that might stem, now look, we're gonna bring it back here. That might stem from that idea that we are comparing ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's it's a hundred percent, and I think you know. But well, what I want to get back to is college. So, did you go to college or not? Did you no. So, on? you know what? I got to tell you, um, I went to. So here we do. We have a community college, and you can go to a community college for two years, or you can go to a four year school. And some people will do the community college for two years and then transfer because it's way cheaper. And so I, I didn't go to college right away. I spent. I took two years off actually. To try and find myself and that's where wow we're getting back to that that's where i that's where i said to myself i'm gonna read 
because I read a statistic at the time that it, I don't even remember what it was, but it was something about the amount of people that never read another book after they graduate high school. And, and I was like, I'm not going to be this person. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to beat this. And lo and behold, a bartender gave me a, my first book, but we'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, that, but so, yeah, so I went to, I took two years off and I started touring with, with punk bands played on major tours you guys uh did has the warp tour ever come over there it rings a bell but i'm not sure what oh wow that's that's crazy <laughs> to me so the warp tour was like the major punk tour that would happen across all all of the u.s every state into canada and uh and then eventually i think even went over to europe they had a cruise at one point that was the the warped cruise and and so one of the bands that I was working with, you know, I wasn't even a full member of any of these bands. I was kind of just always like a prospective member trying out all these different places to what well, just getting on the road, just getting in a van, going on the road. And we would be in an air like a van with no air conditioning, uh, you know, with the windows, one of the windows being broken. And we would drive 19 hours to get to the first <laughs> gig to meet up with with a major tour with bands like Rise Against and bands like uh I mean, at the time, Falling in Reverse was on the tour. Just huge acts that we admired. And we're like in this rinky-dink van, you know. And that's what I was doing pretty much exclusively through that year and a half, two years before I went back to school. And awesome. I, I tried to go back to school, tried to not be dyslexic <laughs> for a little bit. And it didn't pan out well. I went for a year and it just, it wasn't. It wasn't happening, you know. It just wasn't clicking. I was. I would get better grades. I would get better grades based on negotiating with my my teachers than yeah. I would than I would about actually like the the actual con like the okay not okay. I shouldn't say that. I should say that it was more so that I would make an entertaining project, but because I didn't use proper grammar or something like that, it yeah. would it would uh and negotiating is a key to sex and trade like kids do it all the time um, adults do it you know the famous line of a child will spend an hour negotiating why they don't need to do 15 minutes of homework yeah uh, is a common common trait right <laughs> right exactly exactly I, I mean i can't tell you how many i make the joke because i heard it from pen gillette from Penn and teller but i will make this joke i don't care i'll steal it from him I said that I got out of high school on a plea bargain, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. the only kid that I think of that in the high schools, maybe history that was able to negotiate his grade up from like, you know, an 11 <laughs> to a, a, to an 88 passing grade, you know, something like that. But again, you that's want to get rid of me. You want to get rid of me guys. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's, but it is a true dyslexic trait there, right? Being able to do that. I remember my one friend who I swear is dyslexic, um, but he just never cared enough, I guess, to figure that out. We would, we would figure out on the syllabus the day, the first day of school, we would figure out exactly how much homework we had to do to pass. And we wouldn't do anything past that. You know, it's yeah. like, so we knew in our heads ahead of time and look at how much work that takes. Right. That's a lot of work, man. And I, it's a lot yeah, of work, but it's great in a job as well. Like it's, it's funny. Like I did the same in a job. What's, what is, what is a hundred percent of them? And can I do a couple of percent over just keep me safe? And then do nothing. How can I take an eight-hour job and do it in two hours? Exactly. You know, that's that's where our brains are great when we let them play in that space, right? Yeah, and that's the that's I mean that 
plays to the creativity. It's just, it's such a fun. I'm happy that I'm I'm happy that I'm able to talk about this with you right now because I got to tell you, it's it's real letting me relive some of the most fun elements that at the time didn't feel fun, but when you let the creative brain run, you let the dyslexic brain run. It's so much fun, man. And, it, and who do you, who do you talk about it with? Like that's the challenge. It's mm-hmm. it's something you let run around in your head, but it's so challenging to not be able to speak it into into the real world. And you know the the sound in our head is very different to when we actually articulate it out our mouths. We yeah. hear it differently, right? Yeah, exactly. And we we always try and you know like when you're trying to if you have to read in front of the class and you always have to try and plan the words. You're sitting there. You're noticing that the teacher's making you read everyone read a paragraph and you're counting how many paragraphs until it's your paragraph based on the amount of students you see. And you're sitting there practicing it over and over again. So you don't mess up and you don't even realize that they called your name and you're sitting there just like focused, you know? Yeah. It's, you don't realize, and then you try and say it and everything comes out wrong and it's, you know, embarrassing. It's all the standard kind of, uh, you know, I had all the exact like textbook scenarios that come up with dyslexia. And what I'm thinking with with you, if you're interested, we can. I know it's something you want to talk more about. Maybe every couple of months we do a podcast together, if you're interested, because you know you seem so energetic, you know, so passionate, and you kind of want to find that outlet, right? I would, I would love nothing more. I think we could do. I think we could do plenty on that. You know, let's let's keep going with your story though, mate. Okay, you got it, man. Dyslexic mind is like mine. I know three hours oh yeah easily for the sake of of these awesome listeners and i'm going to keep this whole podcast in because i think it's important to hear it and people can break it up into stages but i'm sure they'll love it but so so did you so you dropped out of college so i did i am the uh the typical again typical standard dyslexic story drop out of college that's the next step right and uh and it was at that point it was no idea what to do and it was a little bit, again, this is before I figured out who Steve Jobs was, you know what I mean? And and I did what he called the drop-in, right? So I kind of just took classes I liked, you know, randomly, and I would take music classes, and um, and I just was having fun with, with that, even though I didn't really see any value in it. I would I would pass all the music classes, no problem. You know, I would I would pass, I would really pass any of the classes, no problem. I wasn't a bad student a lot of the times. It was just that my, uh, it was so hard to do certain little things that it would make it, that would make it challenging. And if I had teachers that would do things like let me film, like that was uncommon for the time. You know, they wouldn't let you film the class, but I had an iPad and like teachers would let me film the class sometimes. Those classes I did significantly better in, you know, teachers that would allow extensions, some of them that sometimes wouldn't just for whatever reason. Extra time is a huge thing that people need to realize it's why we get it on our our uh, education plans uh, as dyslexics. So drop out of college, have no idea what to do with my life. Um, 20, I don't know, uh, 20, geez, maybe I'm 2021. 20, it's so hard to work that out, right? <laughs> oh, God, exactly. This is the most fun part because everyone is like, oh, what, what happened now at this part of the story? And there's okay. no, and there's, you have no clue. All I just knew was that I was going to keep playing music and figure it out. I knew I wanted to create things and I didn't have enough money to create things. Technology wasn't there where you could create things on your own. I would do my best to create things on my own. I just wanted to be in bands and and have people that would put money together so that we could get studio time and record things 
and make music videos. That was my, I always loved making videos. I always said to myself when we were on the road um, with one of the bands I toured with called uh, Lost in Society, I, you know, huge fans of those guys at the time. And like even, even now they're, they're just awesome dudes. And uh, we, I would even say then, I remember talking to, uh, uh, to those guys and just in my own head all the time saying like, I would love to make a YouTube channel. I would love to just teach guitar and I would love to just play music all the time and all these things that, that just make being a musician, a musician. And I kind of established back then, you know, in my head, I was like, I'm going to try and I got to find a way to run all of this. And I got to find like a profession that, that kind of fits the way I'm trying to do this now. So I kind of figured out that, that the basic idea of like someone like a college professor is like, you know, you do research, you teach the research you did, and then you write a book and then you go on tour to explain the book. Right. It sounds exactly like a musician to me. So I was like, I'm just going to do all these things, but like for music and, and stuff like that, you know, I'm going to keep learning my instrument. I'm going to keep teaching my instrument. Um, Mind you, I'd been teaching guitar at this point since I was 15 uh, on the side. You're going to notice this pattern of me doing a lot of different things at once uh that, that yeah, it's kind usual of- it's it's we we over we do way too many things at the same time mm-hmm. we complain about it we stop yes. doing it and then we get bored and so yeah. we do the same thing again now and we just think- rinse and repeat yeah exactly do you think that has to do because they say that the idea of like success in something in anything really is to overproduce and then you have to find out where your breaking point is and then you coast then you throttle it back a little bit right and that seems for us, for us, you know, so I won't do it justice here, but in our in our confidence course, we talk through um, this thing called the emotional spot vortex, and the central facet of it is our kryptonite is is boredom. Boredom is our kryptonite. You know, the minute it comes into our lives, things go wrong, and if we don't know how to deal with it, again, it's just it's a killer, right? It just, we, we can't handle boredom. It depresses us or it makes us anxious or, you know, we just, does that make sense? (laughs) You're, you're telling me so many things that I tell people. I I can't wait. There's going to be so many sections of this that I'm going to cut out and just spend, just send to that one special person that didn't understand in the past. (laughs) You know, you know, and and no, but, and and I don't mean that in a spiteful way. I mean, for real, that I've had conversations with people that I'm just like, I don't, you don't understand. Like, I just have this thing where, where I can't sit still like that. I can't not be creating something. I can't not be doing all these different things. And it's actually become a a personality trait of mine where people know, friends of mine know like, oh yeah, no, you probably can't get Jim because he's probably locked in his studio working on this, or he's probably, you know, he's probably doing, he's, he's playing somewhere this weekend. He plays, you know, uh, so keep in mind, like my schedule now, um, just to give you a great example of what a dyslexic schedule is like, and I'm sure you might relate right now. The way my life works is that I put out a YouTube video a week, right? One YouTube video a week that until now I was filming and editing everything myself. Along with that, at the same time, that's like, okay, cool. No big deal. Whatever. Along with that, I am a full-time 
a music teacher. So I have my own studio here that I run my own business and uh, called Jam Academy now that you will find on my website. And I do online and in-person lessons all over the world. And I have been, I have been working out of here and I teach, I mean, I could teach sometimes 40, 45 students in a week, you know, and mm. I'm teaching them one after the other, no break. And I prefer it. Believe me, I prefer it that way a lot of times. And because I don't want to have that second of boredom, then, you know, if that's not enough, four nights a week during the summer, I will be gigging with my bands, right? And we do we do cover shows, we do original music, whatever it might be, whatever we're hired to do. And, you know, if that's not enough on top of it, I did mention that I have a lovely girlfriend and a 10-month-old baby. <laughs> this is so common, mate. This is so... I was chatting to a UK guy who's a... Um... He's an Irish builder. Same thing, mate. Four children. He's renovating his own house. He's got a business in London and where he is. Yeah. He wants to do this, but he wants to get into that as well. Yeah. Oh, like, my God. That's my favorite. That's my favorite, right? Where it's like, where the, my favorite thing of, of having the conversation with a dyslexic in general, the few that I've met, is the idea where it's like, oh, yeah, I really, I love doing this. And I want to get into that. And it's, but it's always right and left. It's always so opposite, you know? And, and I, tr I have to restrain myself a little bit yes. to, to, yes, <laughs> I know, right. I have to restrain <laughs> myself a little bit to, to keep everything making sense into what I want my life to be. And that does come with some vision that, that takes a little bit of time to understand in yourself. You know, it's, it's really hard. And yeah. I would say the dyslexics that I talk to are the worst people at setting out long-term goals that are actually about themselves and yes. not just borrowed from friends. Correct. Yeah, it, it, you're very right. And, it, and it's hard because you borrow the other people's ideas and they don't necessarily always work for you. But I mm -hmm. think that this is something that seems to be a pretty, um, a pretty easy um, idea to grasp for some people is that make it as few steps as possible, right? And that's why, you know, that's really what the beauty of the dyslexic mind is. If we can boil down something to two steps or less, that's all it needs to be. And then, you know, for example, this is just a, a, a light example. If you, I don't know how it works over with your stock exchange um, in New Zealand or if any 401ks or IRAs, I don't know how, what you guys have over there. I know, I know a little bit about it, but you kind of, for everyone else, we're talking about retirement planning and investing, right? Yes, exactly. So, so for example, that is hard to get into. It's very, very hard, especially when you are an entrepreneur on your own and you're always so used to reinvesting your money into your projects. And so something for a dyslexic brain that I would recommend is all of these accounts, the 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 bank account into the savings account that feeds itself into the retirement account that automatically invests for you this setting something up like that for yourself is gonna be your lifesaver you don't want to think about it you can find out how to passively do something like that we've made i'm 100 I'm with you because i'm the same my money comes into my account it goes out automatically exactly exactly Let's hold this thought for our next conversation because okay. I think, you know, my thinking is, you know, someone said it well to me last week is, uh, and this was a bit of a joke, but don't blow your load on the first conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I've heard so, that's a very American thing to say, let me tell you. So. It's, uh, you know, hold it back, you know, let's, and I think, you know, we're, 
we're on the same page. We're both very similar. And, and you know, automating our lives. Yes, that's really what it comes down to. That's the point I'm trying to make is automate your life as many as many ways as possible. And it, it comes back to our black shirts. You know what I mean? It all comes back to that. It all comes back. And the same with what you're doing about work. Like I'm exactly the same. Like I, I do meeting after meeting in my creative business, in my creative digital web business, um, in my business coaching. Like I do that all the time. And then, you know, I decided to get into helping dyslexics, like, you know, an ADHD people talking to people and sharing things. And it was like, I just wanted to keep building consistency. And that's the key. How can you build small, consistent actions that build momentum? Because we're so habitually good at throwing our whole lives away for two weeks. Correct. And then falling yeah. off the bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. And and that could be, you know, that it, it's very hard for us to to do exactly that. So when so when it comes to automating as many things in your life as possible and things that will just help like micro transactions, right? Really, that's what it comes down to. It's microtransactions that if you can keep those little things on task, you know, eventually you build up to one big thing that stays on task. And that's exactly where I think music has been my constant. And it's always been whatever I talked about. It's been everything that I did. If I'm going to start a YouTube channel, I'm going to do it about music. You know, my my major life decision after high school was music or music. It was, it. you know, I, I played is I didn't care what type of band I played in. I just wanted to play music. It didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have any biases about music. I just knew that I wanted, it was easy for me to learn and understand. And mm-hmm. I, that was my constant. I found a constant in it. And a lot of people, a lot of adult dyslexics don't find that early enough in their life. And I'm in, if anything in this podcast now if you've sat through the 17 hours of this podcast right <laughs> yeah. and and you've gotten to this point and you're an adult <laughs> dyslexic that somehow left this on by accident that's why you're still listening to it <laughs> no I'm one's here. got this much attention this part <laughs> never be heard yeah. i know i know we got to cut this up because that's that's the only way that our our people are going to hear this it, the thing i want to tell you though truly is that is that it's not too late to find that constant it's not too late to find that thing and yeah sure we sound like a really great self-help book right now you know but (laughs) you know it's a big self-help cliche but any dyslexic going through anything at any point in their brain they could have could have gone on to you know they could have gone on to a depressive episode of the last decade today is a great day to start that new constant and what are we great at Starting new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Finishing them. Yeah, yeah, I mean. And then and I would, the, the last thing I would say on that, and I think it's a great place to end this episode. We will do this again because this has been fun. But I would say, you know, what you're saying is find your flow. Find that thing where time stops and happiness reigns. Because, you know, I, I would say that's with you in music and you've, you've done it from a lot of different angles over your life. Mm-hmm. But music has been your center point. Um, I had a guy on ages ago who was an NHL hockey player. I hear, you know, he played for the Chicago Someones. Okay, cool. Um, the Chicago Someones, familiar. Can't, can't remember his name, but he was, a, that was his thing, hockey. Hockey got him through life. He tripled yeah. down on hockey. Um, and, you know, and everything went around that. And so there's a bunch of people out there that have different experiences. Um, and I think, you know, if you can find your flow, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes time disappear, you're in a you're in a great place, right?
Exactly. I think that is the uh, that's the key theme here. And you know, we, just the other day, I for the first time, I will say I did a very non-dyslexic thing, and I delegated responsibility successfully. Awesome. Right, and that's the hardest thing to do because my YouTube channel is now requiring me. I have I work with now uh, Guitar World Magazine, um, uh, and the company that owns them, Sweetwater, which is an American uh, 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 online retailer, which is the largest retailer in America. I work with them with my YouTube channel. I have a couple other large companies that um, that I'm working with that's putting a lot of demand for me as a YouTuber now. And I don't even, I got to tell you, I don't even have that many subscribers. I don't have that much of following. TikTok is kind of where I have more of my following. But either way, the point is that there's a demand. And mm -hmm. I made the decision that I have to put the money out from, you know, from the channel into delegating this responsibility. And, and the person that helped me with that is actually my girlfriend's sister. Uh, she, she had said to me, she's like, if there's something that you're not having fun doing and you want to keep doing the fun thing, then in this, at this point, you're going to have to hire the people to do the not fun thing. So I have an editor that is helping me out now. And I got to tell you, man, I think, I think part of, I think this podcast helped me kind of realize that I needed that as well, you know, and I, I never realized how hard it was to delegate as, a dyslexic because we get so wrapped up in our brains that we that we uh that we got really good at something that we can't imagine someone else doing it false it's false perfection right we, oh yeah oh totally false, like because perfection it doesn't the hardest thing in the world is perfection does not exist yeah yeah to us it does <laughs> to us and the, and the irony is that if we put ready we're back oh we're coming full circle oh, on man. this one too if you put that same energy into learning the thing and then put that same amount of energy into finding someone that can do it better than you. Oh, just imagine, imagine just what's a, possible. Just imagine you, then you create Apple. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be buying Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this, man. This is amazing. Mate, well, I'm, mate, I'll, I'm going to give it to you. This is by far, the longest podcast I've ever done. So you have you have won the Guinness Book of Records for the longest truth about the Slexia podcast. Uncut, because I don't cut them. I just will put an intro in. Excellent. And so we will do this again. But but on a last note, how can people find out more about you, Jimmy? You know, can they, can, they see, can they see you? They can find me. So you can find me at uh G you can find me at Jimmy R. Franklin on TikTok and Instagram, that is Jimmy. Then my middle initial is R as in Robert Franklin. You can find me there. Uh, I have jimmyrfranklin.com where you can email me about online lessons if you are from any part of the world, as well as the Working Class Musician YouTube channel, which you can go follow along to see great gear reviews and see me jamming out. And then uh, I think that's I think that's everywhere. I'll, um, I'll try and put those links somewhere. If I forget, Jimmy will remind me, you know, <laughs> I'm just joking. One of us will try and remember and um, we'll make sure it's out there in the world because um, it's been a fantastic conversation. We got through so much. God knows what the next topic's going to be. We're going to have oh, to think of something good. I, I Or we don't have to think of anything at all and just let it happen. Yeah, to be honest, um, you know, one of my other favorite podcasts was I did one called Two Drunk Dyslexics a while back um probably a year or two year and a half ago no way me and an international speaker just sat there drinking beer and talking dyslexia no and, way uh, i have to find it and send it i have to i have to bring it back to the front he was brilliant 
It was really good. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I don't think I'm going to jump on that one. I don't really drink yeah. anymore. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But back then, exactly. Yeah, it changes every few years. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, guys, thank you so much, Jimmy, for being on board. Hope everyone's really loved this. And we'll be back next week. Have an epic rest of your day. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview. We know it was quite a long one. Uh, if you've still lasted to this point, uh, I don't actually believe anyone's listening to this, if I'm honest. But if you are listening to it, and you do want to keep finding out about dyslexia, you know, we've got another course coming up on May 16th. We're kicking off, so a few weeks from when this one goes live. Um, or jump to truthaboutdyslexia.com to find out when our next Truth About Dyslexia course is kicking off. We'd love to have you on board. We'd love to help you discover more about who you are, become aware of what dyslexia really means, and how to start getting more out of your life. Have an epic rest of your day, and I'll be back on Thursday.